It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. This is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. Right now, we're in the middle of a series on how to parent so that you raise thriving children. To me, that's one of the most important roles of a parent. You know, we're there to protect our kids, to provide the basic resources there to make sure that they have what they need, that they, they have somewhere safe to live, they have food to eat, they have clothes on their body, that they get educated, they get those experiences. And then beyond that, the next level up of development is helping our kids learn the lessons that are going to allow them to thrive in their life. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about different pieces of that. I told you about resilience training uh, or resilience research that has shown that there is a significant change for kids who have a significant adult in their life. And one of those adults that often gets kind of sidetracked are parents because parents begin to believe that they have no impact on their kids. So research shows that kids see their parents as being the most important relationship in their life. So remember that. Also remember that I've talked about the fact that there are a couple of models of parenting. One model is to see your child as an egg, fragile. You got to protect them. You got to make sure that nothing hits them, nothing crushes them, nothing cracks them. The other model is to see them as an egg, or I'm sorry, as a ball. Balls bounce. Eggs crack, balls bounce. And so that part of parenting is helping kids learn how to bounce. You can guess by my analogy that I'm all for the bouncing piece, teaching our kids to bounce. And part of that is letting them try out their wings along the way. Because here's the thing. When they're young and something happens, usually they can recover from it. A child who misbehaves at school is different than when they're in you know, first or second grade. That's far different than somebody who gets in trouble in college or gets in trouble in their job when they're adults and there are bigger and bigger consequences. And so you notice that as you watch, kids are learning things as children and they learn those lessons before they have the big challenges of adulthood or they have problems in adulthood. I mean, that generally is what happens. Sometimes, even if we teach them the lessons, they have problems in adulthood. And that's the other thing to remember, that as parents, we can't take full responsibility or really any responsibility for the actions of our kids. All we can do is teach them the best way. And one of the ways I noted for you, uh, one way of teaching is by example. Because remember, Kids are watching. In fact, if you look at the rest of the animal kingdom that doesn't have the capacity of language, that's how the animals learn to survive. They learn it from their parents. They watch their parents, the actions of their parents, the behaviors of their parents. That's how they learn how to make it in the world. Our kids do too. No matter what lectures we give them, no matter what talks we give them, no matter what scoldings we give them, the biggest thing that stands out are our actions. If we want kids to be acting in a certain way, we've got to make sure that we're acting in a certain way. So all of those pieces are the ones we've talked about in the past. So I had a couple of people who said, okay, well, how does it fit in? You've got these thriving principles. If you're not familiar, I wrote the book, Thrive Principles, which are 15 strategies for building your thriving life. And it's really about how you can build a thriving life. And so some people said, how does that fit into parenting? Well, Those same lessons are applicable to your kids. In fact, I believe that those are lessons we need to teach our kids. For instance, my first principle is a thought is a thought. 
you know, sometimes kids come in and they tell us all the, the things that happen and they, they have a story in their head, a narrative in their head about how people mistreated them and were unkind to them and what it meant that that person did certain actions. And sometimes you recognize that that's probably more about their interpretation. Well, interpretation is about a thought. And so one of the magic lessons for a parent is to be able to teach a child that what is going on, the thoughts in their mind, aren't necessarily reflective of reality, and it's not necessary for them to hold on to them forever. As opposed to people who believe that everything they think has to be uh, filed away and has to be important because it was, after all, somewhere in their mind. Now, parents have a hard time with that sometimes. You know, when we're tired, it's really hard to remember a thought's a thought. When we're rested, you know, something happens and you have a thought that pops in your head, it's easy to go, okay, that's just a thought. Well, the same is true for kids. When they're tired, when they're worn down, it's easier for them to assume the worst from things around them and have thoughts about that. So part of the lesson, I believe, of parents is helping kids realize that thought in their head, one, isn't real, and two, isn't permanent, doesn't have to be permanent. Just because they're thinking that and feeling that right now doesn't mean that's how they're going to think and how they're going to feel tomorrow or even in an hour or even in 15 minutes. And we as parents all know that to be true because we've watched our kids melt down in front of us for what they see as the penultimate issue in their life only to go run and play 15 minutes later, not even remembering about that, that thing. Think about that if you've ever had that experience. You know, you're in a store and the child is absolutely begging for that toy. You say no, they collapse into a puddle on the floor, crying and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and nothing will ever get them beyond it. And 15 minutes later, you know, the snack or whatever distraction, and they don't even think about it. Of course, you probably have been thinking about it that whole 15 or 20 minutes. And so one of the lessons for a child is watching a parent release the thoughts, seeing that they don't hold on to them, that they don't keep nursing them, they don't keep having thought attacks by the way they treat those thoughts. That's how kids learn that, but also to be coached through that. Now, this isn't the place where you say, you know, that's only a thought in your head, but it is a place to say, you know, one of the things that our mind does, we're created to think. That's what it does. And sometimes those thoughts are really, really, really helpful, and sometimes they get in our way. And I'm just wondering if this thought that you're having, does it, does it help you right now, or is it, is it getting in your way? That's a way of helping a child understand that a thought is just a thought. And I can tell you from working with adult after adult, many adults haven't learned that lesson either, even after 40, 50, 60, even 70 years. I had a client that uh, a couple of weeks ago that was pushing 80 And that was the biggest lesson we were trying to get to is realizing that that thought is just a thought. It's not real, except for he kept making it real. And the more real he worked to make it, the more real it became. So the principle, a thought is a thought. One way of understanding that is realizing that a thought is a thought to a child. It seems awfully real, but you realize that kids really let go of it easily because they still know how to do that. So we need to reinforce their capacity of doing that. Or how about forgiving quickly and moving forward? Another principle that I have, and I talk about the steps to forgiving uh, in my book, but basically one of the things that we've, we've made is that, that forgiving is, is a chore, that somehow the chore is the responsibility of somebody so that the other person is let off the hook. I think of, of forgiving as 
a, a great joy and, and, in fact, a great advantage and, and a gift you give yourself by deciding you're not going to be held hostage by what else, someone else did. You're going to forgive so that you're not caught by that. Think how many times our kids get into a pattern where they don't want to let go of something. They don't want to forgive somebody because they think somehow that person's going to get the advantage. But we can help them learn that lesson that forgiving is for them so that they're not held hostage by that. Or how about this one, assuming 100% responsibility? This is a big one because kids often are te- learn the lesson that they can talk somebody else into taking on the responsibility. Sometimes kids make their parents responsible to make them happy. Have you ever had a child come up and say, I'm bored? And what they really wanted is you to entertain them. But their boredom is their responsibility. Or maybe they did something and you you try to excuse their behavior instead of holding them responsible and instead of getting them to assume responsibility. You see, responsibility happens on multiple layers. Assuming 100% responsibility means that you're aware that you're in charge of your own happiness, you're in charge of your own choices, and you're in charge of what is coming in your life that's affecting you. Now, kids have lots of things they don't have control over, but they do have a lot of places where they can assume responsibility if parents let them. We let them off the hook too easily, and when we do, we teach them a different lesson. It's not their fault. That is not their responsibility. Or how about practicing gratitude? That's a big one I believe that kids can learn from a very early age to not just be grateful for a gift that's given to them, but be grateful for just being in the world, for being grateful for where they are, their health and and everything else. And that gratitude of just being is a wonderful thing for a family to work towards. To be able to say, hey, what are we thankful for? Maybe more times than just at Thanksgiving. Maybe even making it a daily ritual at the end of a night to say, you know, what, what was good today? Um, my children got into a habit for a long time of talking about the roses and the thorns of the day. And they would start off with the thorns, the, the tough things, the things that hurt that day. But we always ended it with the, the rose. You know, what were the really cool things that happened during that day? What are the really nice things that happened during the day? And that's the way we cultivate gratitude. Now, if the parents are sitting around always talking about who's robbing them and, and who's getting the advantage and who's cheating their way to the top and uh, who doesn't deserve what they have. We're not teaching gratitude. We're teaching scarcity. But gratitude is the thriving piece, the thriving principle. So figuring out ways of helping your child experience gratitude and share gratitude. Sharing gratitude is when you say, thank you, that's appreciation. But experiencing gratitude is being able to say, you know what, right where we are is a good place to be. Or how about maintaining boundaries? For me, this is a big one that we do a disservice for kids because a lot of times we don't let kids have their boundaries. You know, we make kids hug people that, they, that they're made uncomfortable by. We make kids act in certain ways towards people that they're not comfortable with. We put them in uncomfortable situations. Now, let me just say that there are times when a child needs to stretch. But when you see that a child really is resisting having their own boundaries crossed of being touched and how they're being talked to, that's a boundary issue. And we need to teach kids how to protect their own boundaries. Because no surprise, if they don't learn in childhood that they have boundaries, including with their parents, they don't know how to do them as adults. One of the the things is for a parent to have good boundaries. 
And then for a parent to regard their child's boundaries, to respect their child's boundaries, and to have their child uh, enforce their boundaries, and if their child is too young to, to help their child enforce the boundaries. On the backside of that is standards. Another parenting thing is to say to a child, you know, what do you want to live up to? Not here's what I expect of you, but what do you want to live up to? And that helps a child realize that they get to set their own standards. If they want to be honest in their life, they get to set that. You can't set it for them. We have to give them room to do that. Now, there are other strategies. I just want to kind of pull out a few of the principles so you understand that all of the Thrive Principles that I suggest in Thrive Principles are usable in teaching kids how to thrive. If you're learning how to take in those Thrive Principles, then you help them understand how to do it for themselves. One of the big ones, though, for me is a parenting shift. And that is a parenting shift from expectations to agreements. That's where we'll pick up next week. If you're interested in Thrive Principles, you can find Thrive Principles wherever you normally buy books, or you can check out the website for that book at thethriveprinciples.com. That's thethriveprinciples.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it.